Hello and welcome to the spread. Hello and welcome to the spread, a safe and loving space where we get to express our sexuality with absolutely no judgment. This is season three, and I'm your host, Kat. I want to show you places that I won't let nobody else see. I'll let you go inside to the places I want to hide. I don't want nobody else seeing me naked. This season, I want to focus on the decolonization of sexualities. What's that, you might ask? Well, here's a short description I put together to help you understand better. Prior to European and Arab intrusion in Eastern Africa, we had a vast spectrum of sexualities. And everyone pretty much lived happily within their homesteads in this regard. Colonialism brought about violence and war and rape and pillage and death. Colonialism also made sure that the psychological teachings they brought with them and forced upon our ancestors would be used to suppress us as Africans and indigenous people around the world for generations to come. The decolonization of these things is refusing the oppressor to win and reclaiming everything that was once ours, starting with ourselves and our beautiful black bodies. Learning to love our curves, learning to love our differences, learning to love our love and our sex and our sexuality. I know it sounds so much easier to say than it is to do. So first we must unlearn everything that we know that has caused us negativity and anxiety towards ourselves and others. And slowly we will see that where there were cracks, the light will come shining in. Just as my eyelids started to sink to that level in the background, I hear the soulful sound of Aaron. Our first episode of the season kicks off with Julie Goko at a live podcast recording with a few of you lovely spreaders in the house. We tackle so many of your questions, including how to jizz further, how to handle your partner's low libido, and navigating being queer in Kenya. Picked up the phone, it was my girl Jess. She said, hurry down or you missed the contest. Something to do with divers, a surface didn't really want to go, but she's my girl and I love her. Arrived in my pretty rundown white Suzuki and that's when I saw him. Suki, Suki. <laughs> so the story is, right? It was a one night stand, my one and only one night. It was a one night stand, I think I like him but I'll fight the feeling. It was a one night stand, my one and only one night. It was a one night stand, I hope he'll understand. So verse two, let me flip it to you like this, yeah? Imagine standing in front of something magnificent. Now take that and multiply it by a hundred percent. That's how I felt when my eyes laid on this godsend. Damn, brother had a fine upper body. Here's a lesson, so I want you to listen to me, ladies, yeah? See, when you spot a brother, first look around and make sure you don't want another, yeah? <laughs> if he's the one, play it cool, keep it calm. Don't say too many nonsense words and act dumb. Do a little flirty flirty with the eye visuals. Don't push out your chest and try to act too sexual. Brothers don't like that, trust me, I know. So now we're done with stage one, it's time to go. Meet, greet, try to act sweet, cause at the end of tonight, it's you, me, and the sheets. 
into conversation. Nothing too deep like we were trying to save the nation or nothing like that. Just some interesting discussions. Things that were making my body feel vibrations. And I was about to break out into serious gyrations. Calm down, Cass. We've only just met once. So I pulled back and I started hanging by the shore. Now this made him want me more. When it was far enough so no one could see us, I put my right hands between his legs and grabbed his with that in mind, I slowly reeled him to my house, subtly undoing the top buttons of my blouse. By the time we got there, we were all over each other. I literally could not take my hands off this brother. When we were done and he left, I thought to myself, what a great night. I sat and smiled in delight. One night stand, my one and only one night. It was a one night stand. I think I like him, but I'll fight the feeling. It was a one night stand. was a one night stand. I hope he'll understand. Thank you. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Spread Live! Yes, thank you so much for coming through today. Our guest for today is, uh, I want to call you a dear friend of mine because I feel like you're my soul sister. The yep. only one time that you and I have had an opportunity to chat, it was really, um, it was just such good vibes, yes. good energy. Yeah. So Julie Goko, guys, put your hands together for Julie. <laughs> and I know Julie, just by saying that you're a sex therapist, I'm really minimizing the vastness of what you do. So please. Could you tell us who you are and what you do? As you've said, um, my name is Julie. I am a psychodynamic psychotherapist and psychosexual therapist. What's the difference between a sex therapist and a psychosexual therapist? So a sex therapist will focus more on what's going on physically, whereas a psychosexual therapist thinks about the psychological issues that may be involved around the sexual issues. Do you guys understand the difference? Yes. Okay. It's, it's looking at things from a more uh, mental health perspective. Okay, understandable. Mm. So, and this is a very broad question, but what kind of people can and should and do come to you, come to see you? Like, who would be the ideal client. So who can yes. would be anyone. Anybody who is sexually active or contemplating having sex or would like to have a discussion around sex or intimacy. So that's the who, who can. Um, and, and who does? Everybody. Men, women, young, old. They all come. <laughs> do they? Really? Yeah, they do. <laughs> do they though? <laughs> they do. They do. You know, my largest subscribers are men. That's yeah, middle-aged men. Wow. Uh, yeah, and that's not because of anything which is creepy or otherwise. It's just that they're at the stage of life of wanting to explore issues with their sexuality in a relationship. Mm. Mm. So, 
based off of that number of like um, men being the higher number, yeah. are m what percentage do you say are in a partnership? Uh, probably about 60. Wow, yeah. okay. Yeah, it's, it's largely married men who bring, who either come on their own or bring their partners. Wow. Yeah. yeah. I love it. Yeah, it, su it surprised me completely. I thought it would be the other way around. You'd expect to see loads of women bringing men because there's issues in the relationship. No, it's men bringing women. I think because, I mean, because we're just being very heterosexual. Um, I think in that situation, like the women who are bringing the men, the men are just like, no, I'm not going. I think that's why they don't come. Because mm, like, the guys have refused. Mm. <laughs> Maybe I think I think I th the I think in a heterosexual situation mm. the man has to take the initiative. I I don't I don't know. Am I am I? Well, I I suppose the the assumption is that it would be men who take the lead, but because all matters sort of relational tends to be something that if it's heterosexual that women take on board. That yeah. There's a crisis, so we need to sort of pull ranks, have our chamas, and think about it and look <laughs> for a way to, to to work our way through it. But outside no, of oh, okay, 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 mm. okay. But actually, it's tends to be more men. Got it. Mm. So what in the world made you decide to go into this line of work? Well, I started my long list. I started working in mental health. So my first sort of profession was working with women who suffered from postnatal depression. Um, and then sort of moved into actually I've, I've worked with women who are sick and or are finding difficult to attach to babies. And I thought, actually, let me work with the babies and the young toddlers to sort of see how it is for them and, and then sort of worked with sort of babies to 16-year-olds and then thought, actually, because it sort of coincided with, with my own children growing, I thought, okay, I'll now work with people in sexual health because it's that tr natural sort of progression. And then once I sort of worked in sexual health, your HIVs, your chlamydias, and then sort of wanting... Your <laughs> HIVs, your <laughs> chlamydias, you know. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> nice little cocktail of uh, <laughs> STIs. Yeah, and then working with MSM and just seeing how um, rates of infection and treatments and the big thing of partner notification. Because if you have an STI, you've got to tell your partner. And how do you tell your partner and how do they get treated and all of that. So there was all these issues around partners feeling upset and, you know, as you can imagine, being given, say, chlamydia or gonorrhea. So now I wanted to then work with relationships and see how that how issues impact on relationships and then decided actually let me work with couples and then I sort of just progressed into psychosexual work looking at dysfunctions okay mm. and your company is called your practice is called couple and relationship therapy so based off of the title alone is it specifically for people in relationship no it, it's that way but I see those in relationships and those not okay got yeah. it so thank you for joining us. Today is going to be fun. Um, Julie is joining us for your questions answered. I'm, I'm going to try and chime in because usually we do have your Excellent. questions answered. And everybody else. Yeah, yeah, of course. Like yeah. uh, Everybody's definitely yeah. um, open to sharing their opinions mm. on, you know, let's help our people have better sex. <laughs> that looks like it's like pretty full. It is. <laughs> That's what she's, he said. They said, <laughs> I will pick a question from the fuck it. How can a virgin mind blow an experienced guy? My, how can a virgin mind blow an experienced guy? 
Um, I'm going to assume <laughs> a lot of the time the questions aren't very clear and I have to make assumptions. Um, so I'm going to assume that this person would like to stay a virgin and is trying to have a, a mind-blowing experience with a guy mm -hmm. while retaining her virginity. Yeah. Virginity is a social construct. Mm. But yep, let's go for it. They could engage in oral intercourse. Uh, that's uh, that's all we got for you today, folks. <laughs> <laughs> because it does that question assume that it's about penetrative yes. sex that she doesn't want to have or he doesn't want to have? They. They. So there's oral intercourse, there's anal intercourse, there's other ways to excite each other. That's actually an interesting conversation, how people want to remain... Yeah. Virgin. Yeah, it's all about the hymen keeping. Yeah, it in the hymen is, is a is a tissue. It doesn't mm. actually tear during sex. Do you guys know that? Do you know that virginity is a social construct? Are you aware? Yes. Not to to heterosexual women. Mm. Yeah, specifically. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> there is your two cents. But also, I think. Um, just like I feel like the the question itself is really loaded mm. because it feels like it also because you're not aware of the social construct of virginity yeah. it feels like you because you're not giving your partner this thing that is pegged on this thing that needs to be given to somebody special yeah that you want to like you're not giving them enough because it was this mind-blowing it's all about pleasing. It's being the, able the to... The other person. Yeah. There wasn't much in there about sort of personal pleasure. Yeah. Mm. I don't know if I can reference the last spread pod live we had. Sure. Could I? So there's something that um, Valentine said, and she said that when she got into her 30s, she got into this space in her life where if the sexual experiences was not pleasing her as well, mm. she allowed herself to walk away from it. Right? So even the, the concept of I want to remain in this virginal state, but I want to give him a mind-blowing experience, mm. meaning it has nothing to do with you. And then, okay, so in that case, then, um, uh, is, are you, is it, um, is, are you then the burnt offering, so to speak, on the altar of his sexual pleasure? And so you have to figure out ways to please him at the same time remain intact? Quote, unquote, I can't, my hands yeah, yeah. are full, right? So, um, <laughs> literally. <laughs> So I feel as though if you walk into a sexual experience with the mentality that I, the other person has to receive this earth-shattering experience um, from me, then it has nothing to do with you. And uh, whether, you, whether it's pleasure. about whether you want to retain yeah. your virginity, um, yeah, whether you want to remain a virgin or not, there will be absolutely no pleasure. I don't even, I don't even know, I, I can't speak for the men, but I don't know if men experience pleasure if the woman is like a starfish. Like, is it, if, if I just lay there, like a starfish, like, is it, is, it a, is it a pleasurable experience in this day and age as it was before? Like, mm -hmm. question? Would it be pleasurable for men? <laughs> I can only respond as a woman, but I can imagine that it wouldn't be, because... I'm well, sure there people have kinks. Yeah. People have, there's a kinky, there's a, there's a fetish called somnophilia. Yeah. Which is um, the fetish of sleeping with your partner while they're, quote-unquote, asleep. 
Or necklaces. So yes. Or no, no sweetness. <laughs> no. You <laughs> could go to all of them. She said necrophilia. <laughs> but no, yeah? Does it's anyone there, here not there. know what necrophilia is? Put your hand up if you don't know what it means. <laughs> it's, it's okay not to know. <laughs> necrophilia is the fetish of sleeping with dead people. Yeah. Uh, sorry, having sex with a dead body. Oh my god. <laughs> so thank you. That that's a really good valid point. I think we should just uh, pick another one. Am I supposed to feel vaginal stimulation through dick? Like it doesn't feel like anything. Is that normal? Say that again. Am I supposed to feel vaginal stimulation through dick? It doesn't feel like anything. Is that normal? Mm, that's an interesting question. Is that normal? I suppose momentarily it's normal for that person. It doesn't mean that it's, it's permanent. It's something that can change. It, mean, it needs some further exploration as to why, because maybe there isn't knowledge of what should be felt. Okay? Um, so they're not feeling any vaginal stimulation. So maybe it's thinking about level of arousal, because what happens, there's going to be uh, desire. If you look at the, the, the natural circuit for, for sex, it tends to be that somebody will be in ground position. So that is that. They'll be on their hands and knees on the ground. <laughs> I'm kidding. No. <laughs> it's here. So Sorry. they'll be mentally, they'll be in a position of ground. They're contemplating having intercourse. They're thinking about it. Then they move into a place of desire. And they don't move at the same time. Somebody will move, someone may be in desire first whilst the other one is still remaining in ground. And then they move to a place of sort of early arousal into a plateau phase. And then there's pre-orgasm, orgasm, and then uh, post-coital connection. So it seems that that person who asked the question, they're not in sync somewhere. So maybe her level or his level of arousal is less when they're having penetrative intercourse. So maybe if it was heterosexual sex, the vagina maybe isn't tented, maybe there isn't enough um, secretion, there isn't enough stimulation to bring around a feeling of desire or sort of, uh, uh, yeah, interest to, to progress into penetrative sex or stimulation. Thank you. Mm. I, also I also am a really, really, really big advocate of self-love. And it's really hard to peg your pleasure on another human being um, if you don't know yourself what you like and what how you want to be pleased. So it's even difficult for people to, to hear that and, and accept that that's true. It always becomes about somebody else. How can I please that person? Is there something that I'm not doing and I need to change in order for them to, to feel excited by me and that way want to continue a connection with me? So there's this huge responsibility that's taken on by just having intercourse with somebody. And if you look at it from actually sex just actually needs to be good enough. You know, earlier we were looking at, and we've looked at on other podcasts, how <laughs> there's um, being responsible for your own sexuality. It's not about the partner. It's not about the person you're having sex with. It's thinking about your own pleasure. And if you look at it from that perspective, you sort of dissolve having any responsibility for the other person's desire. They're, they've got their, they're in charge of themselves because you can't be within their skin to know what their level of arousal or desire is. You can assume based on past experience, but you may never get it right. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. 
Holla if you hear me. <laughs> so yeah, actually that was exactly what I was going to say. <laughs> <laughs> but also um, with penetrative sex, I, I, I also do suggest like, you know, like um, figuring out what it is that you like. So um, you can experiment using toys, for example, and s body safe things, cucumbers, mm. um, to, to, to give yourself penetrative sex. There's many different things that you can use that are body safe. Um, and then just figure out mm. how the ins, because the, the vagina is so vast. And it's like, a, it's a whole world in there. And there's so many different ways in which you can find pleasure. And you really need to find it for yourself so that when a partner does enter you, you're just like, actually, just like, to the like this. Yeah. To the left a little to bit. To the left, to the <laughs> left. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. What do you do when your friends with benefits does not want a serious relationship? I want to give them a hug. <laughs> That's the immediate thought. Yes, like, oh. <laughs> I suppose if, if the Friends with Benefits doesn't want a serious relationship, then it's acceptance and dealing with the feeling of rejection, which can be super hard. Because if one person's wanting in and the other one has has bolted, then you've got to deal with actually, I can't control their feelings for me and I can't change their decision. All I can do is respect it in time and not try to work out why, because that's what human nature is. You know, they, they then try and internalize that maybe it was something I did or I need to do differently, but maybe it's just coming to a place of acceptance and thinking actually, it's not just about that person there's more to that individual than being a friend with benefits. They can find other friends. There's a big world out there. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Also, friends with benefits. I feel like if your friends with benefits does not want a serious relationship, then they are actually the only ones in your relationship that is honoring the friends with benefits. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, the men. <laughs> so, as much as it is very easy to get, um, to, I mean, you're exchanging energies with a whole human being mm. and something so intimate like, um, like you know, sex and body fluids and, I mean, it's a it's a huge thing. So it's it is expected that emotions will get involved. Yes. And I believe that communication is very key, especially actually at all times when sex, where sex is related. Absolutely. Is, um, mm -hmm. What's the word? Oh involved. God. Involved. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I feel like if the, if the communication prior to your engagement was that this is all it's going to be, and then you have to have the conversation about, so if any of us ends up falling for the other person, then we can decide at that point how we want to move forward. Yes. Um, and it's important to walk away from something like that because you're going to end up uh, putting yourself in a situation that, that will be harmful to your mental health. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. yeah because I suppose we don't know, though, because 
what, what will be triggered in that person when they're feeling rejected? If you're in, in a relationship with someone with friends with benefits, the benefit friend says, nah, I'm, I'm, I'm out. The initial person is feeling rejected. And what is that if it was whichever sexuality? They're going to be triggered by past experience, that feeling of rejection, not feeling good enough, and that sense of responsibility. So we, it's always good to have communica clear communication at the, beginning, at the beginning. So you work out, if we do change our mind, then there's this constant transparency of where we are next in the, in the relationship, in the friendship, in the connection, in the whatever it is. Yes. Does anyone else want to add something? Shall we move on? Why don't I want sex all the time? Mm, all the time? <laughs> that is my polar opposite, wherever you are. Don't worry, I got you. <laughs> Yeah. I'm, I'm hypersexual. <laughs> it's, it's a problem. Go on. So why don't they want sex all the time? I suppose we don't know what all the time means. It could be a number of reasons. It could be around genital pain. It could be around low desire. Um, and if we look at genital pain, it's just pain on penetration. It's um, something called, which used to be referred to as vaginismus, which is almost like hitting a, a brick wall during penetration if it's vaginal intercourse. So that could be a valid reason why somebody doesn't want to have sex because it, it hurts. Or it could be low desire. And if there's low desire there, that may be related to, remember I mentioned sort of being in ground position then getting to desire then low arousal. Ground is a very significant place within any relationship because depending on how the last sexual experience was, if it's a in a relationship, ground becomes super important. If the last sexual encounter was disastrous, um, it was over too fast, it, and you didn't have time to talk about it, um, somebody felt rejected, then no one wants to, to be the one to initiate sex again. So ground is something which is avoided. So maybe that could be one of the reasons why they're not wanting to have sex because there's anger. And any kind of anger, resentment, disagreement in a relationship is a real passion killer. You have to work through all of those issues first to be able to get to a place that want to leave ground and to introduce desire and interest into sex. Uh, adding on, mm -hmm. three things that really came out to me about that question. One, not everybody is the same. Everybody's body is different. Mm -hmm. And you can't compare yourself to somebody else because that's what you're doing by saying, why don't I want sex all yeah. the time? In comparison to who? Yeah? Um, Two, what was this two I was going to say? Oh, that, that thing for wanting sex all the time is really a thing that has been created by the media. And so we watch movies and we see on Instagram and people are talking about sex. You can't judge your, sec your wanting sex on me, for example. You'd be far. <laughs> <laughs> so I think actually a lot of it is, is based on what is Instagram telling me? What is television telling me? And the ads and the, everything is really revolving around sex and creating such a wrong picture of what actual sexuality is. So it's, so it's pressure. Yeah, I think. Yeah. You're allowed to not want sex as often as you don't want. Yeah. For, you know, if you want it once a year, it is okay because that's how your body is. Yeah. And that's how you're responding to certain things. 
Also, maybe you're just not attracted to the person you're with. Very true. Yeah. But it's back to the communication, being able to yes. say actually, something's not working here, we need to talk through whatever it is and then hopefully come to a resolution. Um, do people call you Dr. Goko? No, I'm a psychotherapist. I'm oh. not a medic. Julie? Yes. <laughs> yes, Karen. Do you think after this session I could get a degree? <laughs> I can give you an honorary one. Yes. <laughs> I feel like I need one. <laughs> I just want to be certified. Yay. Yes. So it's because I wanted to, to follow up on that, and I'm interested in your opinion as, um, I know you, you're like, they don't, people don't call you doctor, but for all intents and purposes, they're coming to you for some sort of healing yes. experience. If, if we're making the point that there's no such thing as like, an, I want to use the word normalized, idea of sexuality or sexual experience, so even when we say low versus hyper versus, what does it mean then when I come to you and I say, I need to fix something? Like, what, what, does, that, what, does, the, what does that mean? Like, if, if, I'm, if, I'm if I assume I'm hyper, therefore I must be lower, or if I assume I have low desire, therefore I must be higher, I'm just trying to figure yeah. out like, what these words mean. When One you say of the, the, the first questions I would ask somebody if they came saying that this is what they're experiencing, I'd find out whether it's something that's situational, whether it's something that's lifelong, or something that's acquired. So is, the, is the, the low desire something that's just occurred? And then we unpick as to you know, what happened recently as to why now this is, has occurred. Is it something that's always been there? They've never had any, any sexual interest? Or is it something that's situational? It happens with some partners, but not others. And then it's unpicking why is it that certain people will bring this out in your sexual relationship as, as opposed to other people. So those are the main sort of three areas to think about when it comes to why things happen for people. And if it's, I mean, you can look into sort of the, the, the medical terms of it. There's a, there's a whole sort of huge DSM-5 American blah, blah, blah. And it's, it looks at things like um, categorizing it as if it's been there for six months, if it's causing major distress, if all these tick box sort of exercises first, and then thinking of the psychological component. Because when because I work psychosexually, I don't just think about it as a sexual dysfunction. I'm not gonna think premature ejaculation. We need to think about uh, maybe prescribing or sending them off to for an antidepressant to, to sort of delay ejaculation. No, it's to think about, is it, was it situational? Is it lifelong? Is it something that's acquired? And if so, why? Um, my question is on if you're in a relationship with someone or have relations with someone, and you're hypersexual, and they have a really low sexual appetite, what would you recommend that they do? Would it be more advisable to open the relationship? Or are there exercises where someone can find like a common ground where both of you would be able to like have the same amount of sexual appetite? It may be difficult to get the same amount of sexual appetite. So that's getting to a place of acceptance that there's just going to be a difference in the relationship sexually. But as a couple, depending on how open they are, it's being able to explore different ways that the person who has lower desire can have their sexual needs met. And the one who is hypersexual is able to, to feel that they're not being ignored or rejected by not having their needs attended to. It's finding a middle ground and the only way that would initially be able to be sought through would be having sort of open and transparent conversation. Good question. That's the, that's the story of my life. 
Yeah, I mean, I always find partners who have lower libidos <laughs> than me, and it's just, I mean, it's such a struggle. Mm. I mean, I am now ethically non-monogamous, so, I mean, also I'm yeah, in a long... Got poly polyamory, you can yes. just open up the yeah. sexual relationships so that you're opening up to even though partners. Yeah. Even though th th that is not a solution. <laughs> it is, it is I mean, it's not the solution, mm. it is a solution. Mm. And that's a hard one. I mean, by the time you're introducing polyamory, because you're like, I love you, I want to stay with you, but I really need to fuck other people. Oh my God, can you mm. imagine it's what that would do conversation. To, to the other person? I feel like it would be really unfair for them to want you to stay in that relationship if your sexual needs are not being met as you expect them to be. <laughs> Who is that woke? It's like, oh, I, I understand that I can't please you. Please, go fuck whoever you want. Who? <laughs> 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 I mean, I understand people with disabilities <laughs> doing that, but like people with low libidos, that's a whole different conversation. You wanted to say something? Yeah, uh, it's uh, in the same line. When, when does it become a deal breaker? when one or both of the partners have reached their capacity, if it's become too much and it's, they haven't found that mutual ground and they're unable to find other mutual ways to please each other, then it's sort of parting ways. So there's times you actually advise that? I wouldn't advise that. I wouldn't tell somebody that, you know, you, you need to leave the other because it doesn't feel like it's going to change. I mean, that would <laughs> I think I would be in a lot of trouble. <laughs> but... Um, I would get them to think about, you know, how do they move forward? Because then it becomes more of a sibling dynamic between the, the two of them. You know, that if, if, that's, if it's okay for one of them to be like that, but not okay for the other, then that's a bit punishing for the person who's not able to have this ability to sexual expression. Is, is, uh, is it okay to have a relationship with a, uh, a sibling dynamic relationship? It's it's not uncouple. It's it's not uncommon. Whereby a sibling dynamic would be that uh, couples may stay, they they may meet each other. They're they're sexually active. Everything is okay. And then over the years, sex just sort of vanishes out of the relationship, and they feel very comfortable and very safe. And it's almost like having a sibling. You know, you get on, you communicate. Everything is okay. But sexually, there isn't room for it anymore. And it's it does happen. It's not ideal, but it does happen. All righty then. I recently came out as bisexual, and I am nervous about my attraction to someone of the same sex slash gender. I'm a little bit confused about where to begin. Any advice? Well, it's begin. I mean, that's very brave. So we have to sort of think about Let's commending them. Let's clap for you. Yeah. Because that's hard. Um, so it's thinking about being able for them to do what it is they feel is comfortable. Because there will be this sort of, whether it's in media, whether it's through porn, whether it's through conversation of how they then now need to be. And it's not uncommon for somebody who comes out later in life I mean, they're having their first sexual experience, same-sex sexual experience for the first time, maybe in their teens, maybe in early 30s. So they may move into such encounters feeling more vulnerable and more exposed, gauging their interaction 
on maybe a heterosexual relationship they had maybe 15 years ago. So they have to be mindful of the different place that they are in sexually and moving into different friendships and relationships. So it's taking it slow. Yeah, I agree. Definitely take it slow. Also, welcome to the disco. (laughs) (laughs) I would say my advice, especially, uh, you know, being queer in Kenya, it's, it's really hard. Um, and it's, you know, not socially acceptable. So one, be careful um, Mm. on how you choose to interact, but which is not a don't do, it's just a be careful. Uh, Secondly, there's a lot of uh, groups and organizations and and like queer, quirky conversations and dope queer things happening in Nairobi. The space we're in right now is called AQ Studios, which is, AQ is Afroqueer. It's a podcast called the Afroqueer Podcast. Y'all need to tune in. And basically, the Afroqueer Podcast is talking about a lot of, like, is having a lot of queer conversations around the continent. So they have really interesting stories, um, and uh, they're just, it's dope. Just follow the Spread Podcast. (laughs) And um, and when when stuff is happening, we will definitely keep you posted. There's a lot. There's a lot. I could go on. There's a lot of dope queer things happening in Nairobi. You are cool to be queer. You are cool to be whoever you want to be. You will meet someone. And maybe, you know, if you're shy, it's okay. Shy is also a cute look. Maybe they'll meet you, and then they'll be able to pull you out of your shell. Yeah? Does anyone have any more queer stories they'd like to share? Okay. How do I squirt? How do I differentiate when I want to pee and when I'm about to squirt? Do you know, I, I, I knew this question would appear. Do you know, how do I squirt? My, my initial thoughts will be, why? Yes. Who is that for? Um, if you need to empty your bladder, let's just focus on doing that. Squirting, it's a really contentious <laughs> topic for me, and I, I just, I just, I have no words. For it. <laughs> we, I actually did a podcast mm. episode with Jasmine. Do you guys know Jet Setting Jasmine? Yes. So we did mm. a podcast episode called All About Squirting, I think is what it was called. Mm. And a lot of people asking that question, and you're right, it's that, like, for who? Also, people think people are under the impression that a squ- that first of all, s- the squirt is not always related to the orgasm. Mm-hmm. Secondly, the squirt doesn't necessarily enhance your orgasm. Like people think that because you can ejaculate, it's making it seem like a man. You know, it's yeah, it's he has something that removes patriarchy. <laughs> We don't have to be the same. We don't. We just need to be able to accept the way our bodies function and the other person is different and it's good. We're all equal. Correct. But if you must squirt... (laughs) (laughs) Don't ask me. (laughs) (laughs) I'll tell you because I I, kind of do it. Um, (laughs) If you must squirt, the feeling that you get where... uh, The feeling that you get when you're just just about to pee, Mm. that um, that is the squirt. So basically you have to... It release. If you really want to squirt for you, or for whatever reason you want to do it for, then it's th- that is the feeling. That feeling when you feel like you want to pee, that's it. Just like rela- lean into it. 
and let it go. I mean, if your partner is already indulging in your bodily fluids, it don't matter. Just let it rip. <laughs> Thank you, Kaz. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Anyone else want to squirt? <laughs> also, <laughs> fun fact, women with Venus dimples ha have a higher chance of squirting. Do you know what the Venus dimples are? The two dimples right above your butt. Mm. It's basically because it's closer to your per your um, pelvic pelvic floor muscle. It's just that closer. It's closer. I will get the more details mm. when I have them, but that's all it is. It's just closer to the pelvic floor muscle. So when there is um, penetration, most times people who will squirt, it's because of penetration, um, and it's that closer. Yeah. All right. Wow, wow, wow. <laughs> Similarly, how do I learn to shoot my semen father? <laughs> Where's Matthew? <laughs> I have a theory. <laughs> I, I have to hear this. Aim higher. <laughs> Aim higher. Yeah. I figure if you do it like this and it goes here, if you do it like this, then it'll go there. It'll go down. Then, oh, okay. Do, do you have an answer? Yeah. You'd have to angle. But you know also, also, just like, you know how, I mean, I'm not a, I'm not a, a penis-owning person, but you know that, um, like, I imagine, like, you think it's going to go so far, and then it just kind of like... <laughs> <laughs> and you want to make it... <laughs> but you're watching too much porn. You don't, you don't... Do you see that that, if you're asking why, that question is very similar to, to women squirting. Excuse Why? Me. Excuse me. But I suppose we need to be sensitive because somebody me. asked the question. Okay. Correct. Excuse but me. Mm. Let's be sensitive. I think it also depends on um, how much. Quantity. Uh, yeah, quantity. Yeah, exactly. How much quantity you have stored. So can I ask a question? Yeah, ask. A is is the quantity of your semen directly related to how much liquid you drink? Nah. <laughs> it's how your frequency. It's a free yes, free, it's frequency. It's frequency. Frequency, Fre frequency if of they're what? having e a lot of sex or not. Really? Yeah. So if you um, withhold your uh, ejaculation at for however long, and then you come, it will be more. Although the consistency will would will be, be thicker. Uh, yeah, be a bit thicker. Can I ask? Can I something controversial? Yeah. How is this connected to? the pleasure of either side? Yeah, that's a valid question. Of either person mm. in this. Is it, just to, is, is, is it just to hit the wall? Or yeah. is it totally so fair if yeah. it is? Totally yeah. for each person yeah. their own. I think it's for Matthew. Was, uh, the, the guy who asked the question was maybe that's one of his ways of um, 
having a proper ejaculation by how far it could go. Okay. But uh, like what you said, it's related to how many times yeah, the frequency. frequency mm. Then, because we make sperms every day, mm. so if then if they're still being kept and stored, I think you'll. So th you think that would be the answer? Just give it a week. Yeah, give it a week. <laughs> yeah. Then, yeah. There you go. That's that's a theory, right? Yeah. Okay. Next question. I think. Um, does anyone have the time? Okay, so I think we'll pick three more, and then we'll wrap it up like a condom. <laughs> Here's a nice long one. That's what she said. Wow. Four questions. First one, is it possible for guys to come from nipple stimulation? Yes. That was yeah. <laughs> yes. So the thing, the thing is, like, remember in the last episode, I was talking about um, different kinds of orgasms. So you can have all sorts of orgasms from different parts of your body, including your nipple. In fact, n nipple um, sensitivity is, is very common with um, male-owning bodied people. The question that came from the audience is like, how long do I have to do it before he has actually has an <laughs> orgasm? But I think also that it's not the only thing that you have to do. You can touch. You can use touch. You can also use time. You can you can you can use nipple like stimulation to orgasm right at the end when he's about to peak. You know, there's many ways in which you can you can play with it. Just play. It's fun. Sex. It's wonderful. Do you want to add anything? No, I think I think you <laughs> said it all. <laughs> The second question on here, is there any side effects to lubricants for the woman? Ooh, yes. Depending on, yeah, if you need water-based lubricants. We're not going to use Vaseline. We're not going to use Nivea lotion. We're not going to use cocoa butter. Saliva. <laughs> well, saliva's not going to do any, any, it's not going to cause any damage or not irritation, in not in the long run. But if you're using anything oil-based, there may be an issue. You may get some kind of vaginal irritation or even on the penis may get irritated as well. It may cause chafing and drying of the skin. So best avoid it and stick with something water-based. Uh, I also advocate... And, and of course, you wouldn't use oil-based if you're using, using a condom. Condoms, yes. Yeah. I also really advocate for checking the, the ingredients that are used in the things that you put in your body, period. Yeah. I don't use any um, of the lubes that... There's actually not very many body-safe lubes that are available in the market in Kenya. And every time I do have to shop for lubes, I always, mm -hmm. I always have them imported. Um, with oil-based lube, I actually say if you're not using a condom, if your partner and your partner have been tested, I really advocate for coconut oil. Okay. Very much so, yeah. And it's nice. also really good for um, the jerk. But the, the, the downside of that is you may get something called bacteria vaginosis. Go on. Which is a bacteria in the vagina caused because of the pH levels, which are then interfered with by adding an oil-based substance. So and then including semen. Including. 
And then it, some women may know it. There's a kind of very strong, heavy, fishy smell, which then just the more you wash, the more it reproduces. Hmm. Yeah. Oh, thanks for that. Mm. Uh, yeah, water-based lube, body-safe yeah. lube. I always go for organic, vegan lubes. That is my go-to. Mm. So, guys, if you're interested, like, you know nowadays it's not so expensive to brought to have things brought in, like using those, um, yeah, Vitumob and yeah. uh, j uh, uh, the other one, um, Savostore. So, like, if you guys are interested, on, ins on our Instagram page, there's a link that, that goes directly to a company that I work with specifically who focus on, like their toys are medical grade silicone, um, their condoms and their lubes are all vegan and organic. So it, ju it costs 1500 shillings to, to deliver one kilo. Just buy the thing, send it to the Savo store or the Vitumob or whatever, it just makes sense. And you get a discount if you use the code the spread. <laughs> I got you. <laughs> <laughs> um, how do guys arrive at an orgasm? That's an interesting question because men, guys can arrive at an orgasm in their sleep. So it's not even necessarily something that's conscious. Yeah. <laughs> If they sit in an odd way, they may get an erection. I mean, it, it, it's, it, they can arrive in any way because you, you're not going to be there within their mind to know what is stimulating them enough to bring around a level of arousal and then into ejaculation. So they can arrive anyway. I think, is that fair? Yeah. <laughs> Women, <laughs> yes. Thank you. How long should sex last ideally, or on average, including the foreplay? Now this is, this, I love this question, because as long as sex, penetrative sex, has lasted for more than 60 seconds, it isn't a dysfunction. It's classic. Wow! <laughs> on, her on her degree. <laughs> I reject that definition. If sex, if penetrative sex is less than 60 seconds, if it's pre premature ejaculation would be a diagnosis for sex less than 60 seconds. A diagnosis for premature ejaculation. Okay. Yes. But if it's a minute and one second, no disorder. It's not I'm really curious, the people who did the tests. <laughs> <laughs> With the timer and the guy behind the glass. <laughs> <laughs> I want to work there. <laughs> okay, so, so basically how long should sex last? As long as you goddamn want it to. Sex happens between you and your partner slash partners. Um, and it's completely up to you. Um, I have a friend, a very dear friend of mine. She's married. And her... <laughs> I love her, her, like, we can't even talk about sex because she's just like, my husband and I, like, literally, we start and then we both stop in, like, she's like, we, we don't even have, we don't have more than that. We just have five-minute sex. It's just like, we in and out, and both of us come at the same time, and it's done, and nobody's interested in, like, we're just like, we're fine. That's, that's, we're good with that. I'm just like, 
that's your thing, yeah. you're happy. But they're just being super efficient in that moment. Yeah. <laughs> <Busting> <laughs> Cut to the nuts, chase. Really, yeah. <laughs> and that's it. Yeah. Mm, if it works for them. Exactly. Mm. And then other people, you know, want to go for or longer. But then you've got to remember with age, the refractory time, the time it takes for a man to get an, an erection becomes length, it lengthens. So it may be once, twice, three times a night, and then it declines to maybe once every couple of days, once a week, once every couple of weeks. So that turnaround time to be able to maintain an erection or even get one or even have desire to diminishes. Whereas for women, it just it's on the other way. It just gets on better. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, my sex is definitely better now than it's ever been ever. And mm. I can't I can't wait. You know, for <laughs> time. I can't wait for the forties, man. How to deal with partners' expectation as far as female orgasms are concerned. For example, what to tell men who expect you to have an orgasm if you have trouble having one? The, the, the first question would be, who is the orgasm for? Is it to meet his expectations for his ego? Or is it about giving his partner a, a level of satisfaction? And is sex about orgasm? Or is it about a couple coming together, people coming together to have a level of intimacy and connection that makes them feel closer in that moment? It's about a different kind of pleasure. It's not all goal-orientated. And I think it's about sort of having the conversation around not that it doesn't always have to be about the orgasm. It takes pressure. That's a lot of pressure. There are many people I see who, who have that pressure, that they haven't had an orgasm. How are they going to get an orgasm? Their partner feels dissatisfied because they haven't had one. But the more you want one, it's not going to happen. You have to be in a place where you're able to let go and to be able to be free and comfortable and relaxed within a relationship or in a partnership or whatever it is to be able to achieve it. Yeah, I always, uh, that's actually a very common question that we get all the time. Mm. And I always say, like just like you said, if you're constantly thinking about having an orgasm, then you take away from the experience that you're having with your partner. So you, you're not able to feel the pleasure that you're going through during your moment of intimacy. But secondly, for people who struggle with having orgasms, one thing that I've learned to be a really good trick is you and your partner during your play and your intimate moments, how about you create that intimate moment in that space and tell each other, we're both doing this and we're both not coming. What we're doing is not coming. So you just have a play session that's going to last however long it lasts, if it's an hour, if it's... In fact, the more time, the better. Play, touch, penetration, have some juice, have some water, go get some fruits, add some fruits, put the fruits, <laughs> make the fruits part of the play. Don't insert them. <laughs> and uh, just like... <laughs> it's like, you know, I, f I feel like fruits and sex is such a beautiful thing. And then just like play and play and then let the aim be by the end of tonight, none of us are coming. And you will be so surprised at how your body responds at the calming effect of no pressure of orgasm. So you and your partner just sit and say, today we're just gonna play and we're not gonna come. I really feel like that is a thing that works. And whoever you are, I'm really interested to know how that pans out. 
Does anyone have anything to add? Wow, guys. Stunned silence. <laughs> Can I be certified? <laughs> Is that my certificate? Yes. <laughs> All right. Thank you, guys. Please put your hands together for Julie Goko. Thank you. Thank you all so much for coming to The Spread Live. Please don't forget to follow us on all of our social platforms. We're at The Spread Pod on everything across the board. Um, find us on all of wherever you listen to your podcasts. We're there, everywhere. Thank you, guys. You guys have been amazing. <laughs> this is so wonderful. This is wonderful. I really love this. Uh, all right, thank you guys so much for coming through. <laughs> As always, thank you for tuning in. Please don't forget to follow us on our social networks. We are at The Spread Pod across the board. And subscribe and share our podcast, which is available wherever you get your podcasts. And if you would like to reach out to any of our guests or any of us, the details are always in the show notes in the description box below. A big thank you to everybody who made this episode possible. Much love and light from me, Kaz. Till next time. Expose myself to you, oh baby. So lay down your body and just expose yourself to me too. Because I want your love, will you give me love? Make my dream a reality. Because I know I'm not gonna run around looking for something that's right in front of me. Right in front of me. Looking for something that's right. secrets with you cause with you I have no fear because my soul is ready and my heart is vacant I want you to be with me every step I'm taking cause I know I found something special that's why I just wanna lay down my body and just expose myself to you oh baby so lay down your body and just expose yourself to me too because I want your love will you give me love make my dream a reality cause i know i'm not gonna run around looking for something that's right in front of me right in front of me looking for something that's right in front of me boy kiss me i'm dying to find a deep meaning it could be the simple So far.